Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Welcome into the show. Unfortunately, a wrap-up show for us, John. Uh, The end of a long, weird, sometimes fun, sometimes not so fun Saints season, right? it's, It's a wild one, and comes down to we need Matt Stafford to come through for us. And of course, Matt Stafford doesn't come through, right? But... Uh, I don't know. When you look at it, week 18, I think Matty Hudak wrote about this on uh, on Saints Wire. Week 18 kind of felt like the entire season for the Saints, didn't it? It's just like one minute you're celebrating, one minute you're up, the next you're punching the gut and you're down. It was just like a season full of that, up and down, up and down. And at the end, the Saints don't quite get into the playoffs. They were close, but didn't quite get in. Yeah, and you know, my thought on the Saints season is that this was a a great football team that a lot of bad things happened to. Just just so so many, you know. So many. Uh, looking back to last off season, they they had to cut 101 million dollars in talent from their depth chart, and then they had to evacuate from a hurricane at the end of training camp, and then they had to um, deal with multiple COVID outbreaks, and they had had they lost a third of the coaching staff in week two. They they lost a third of the roster in week 16 uh, with, with the playoffs on the line. They had to throw a, a, a rookie quarterback in there in his first start with nothing around him. Um, it was it was just a mess, and it was a very chaotic season. There was very, very little that we could really predict one week to the next. Um, but, you know, credit to the Saints for rolling with the punches. You know, they, they still ended the year with a winning record. They, they had a shot to go to the playoffs. Um, it, I, I guess all of the uh, – the good uh, Georgia football vibes went, went towards their national title win rather sure. than Matthew Stafford not throwing an interception <laughs> in overtime. Yes. Um, so, you know, the, 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 it's like it's like I tell my daughter all the time. You can do everything right and still be and still end up wrong. You know, I mean, the, you, you can still not accomplish your goal, which which was to get back to the playoffs. So, you know, I, I, I look at it a bit more optimistic um, than that, though, here with the Saints. I, I think they're in a great position to reload and get right back in the mix next year. Um, and I'm really, really eager to see what they do this offseason to re- restock and try and go on another run. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about the Saints heading into 2022 here, the early parts of this offseason here throughout the show. Uh, but yeah, John, you were just cycling through all the crap that's happened to the to the team. You know, we saw four different quarterbacks, right? We, had, we saw some Ian Book. Yeah. His redshirt year got blown up. He had to play. Uh, that NFL record, 58 different players starting, that doesn't even include Will Lutz and Michael Thomas. And when you think about those two, how many points did the Saints leave on the table without those two players? Will Lutz and Michael Thomas. Yeah. Those two account for the so Saints many only, points. Yeah, uh, props to Catherine Terrell from The Athletic for pointing this out. The Saints only made one field goal all season from more than 50 yards. That's wild. All, all year. They, they only made one. Uh, and they only they only tried four because they knew they couldn't trust any of their kickers. And so, 
it, it, you know, Will Lutz specifically, um, that's something else that Maddie Hudak pointed out for us here at Saints Wire. Um, we, we really didn't appreciate the consistency that he brought week in and week out until he was gone, until until he was out and we had to, to rotate in. Gosh, let me run through this rogues gallery. Um, Aldrich Rosas and Cody Parkey and Brett Maher uh, twice somehow. Um, Brian Johnson. I mean, we, we just went through just uh, just the whole uh, you know a decade's worth of kickers in uh, three months essentially, and so, and so it's just been ridiculous. Uh, Michael Thomas too. You know, the, the Saints they only had oh gosh, they only had one wide receiver. Um, rank inside the top 100 across the league in, in receiving yards, and that was Marquez Callaway, and he finished 51st across the league. So they didn't have a single top 50 re- receiver. And you look at Michael Thomas, guy who owns the record for the most uh, receptions in a single season. I, I don't believe Cooper Cup brought it or broke it. Um, and you just have to wonder what would he have added. So these are all questions the Saints really have to grapple with, find a solution for, and hope that they can right the ship and go into 2022 with some more positivity at those spots. Well, we got to the end when that Rams 49ers final uh, hit, John. We knew that the playoffs was over. How are you feeling about it as a fan? For me, I thought the latest gut punch for us was the Taysom Hill injury, uh, him going out. Trevor Simeon being back in. So if the Saints were to go on a playoff run here, it would have been with Trevor Simeon, right? It's a Liz Frank injury yeah. for Taysom. He's going to be out for a while. Hopefully he's back for hopefully he's back by August, but I think that's being optimistic, right? With with these Liz Frank injuries. I know he's had one before. I was reading up on that on, on Saints Wire, but uh I thought that was kind of the latest gut punch. Like even if the Saints got in, were they really going to make a run with Trevor Simeon? I don't know. I it would have been tough. It would have been tough to to you know to go and, and win playoff games with Simeon. So you know, we, we saw how that went in the regular season. So I thought that was just kind of the latest gut punch is this injury to Taysom. Now we head into the offseason with Taysom recovering from a Liz Frank and Jameis recovering from ACL or, or his knee surgery. So, the, you know, the, what happens at quarterback? That's going to be a big storyline as we get into the, you know, the offseason months here. Yeah, that's major. Uh, you know, the state of the Saints quarterback, Jeff Dart, let, let me rattle this off real quick. I, I was just touching this up for getting my 2022 Perfect. roster uh, Perfect. projection here. Here are the quarterbacks under contract for 2022. Taysom Hill recovering from a Liz Frank uh, in, in his left foot, plantar fascia in the right foot, uh, plus the broke you know, the the ripped tendon or ligament in his uh, the middle finger of his throwing hand. Uh, so he's going to be out a while. He, he may be back for training camp, but like you said, that that's very optimistic. Um, behind him, you've got Ian Book in his second season. Didn't see a lot to like in that Dolphins game, but like Sean Payton said, we're going to burn the tape. This, that's not going to Knowing the circumstances around that game, we're not really going to hold it against him. And uh, here on Tuesday afternoon, the Saints signed Blake Bortles to a reserve future deal. So he's going to be the right, – right now, Bortles is your third-string quarterback behind Ian Book and Taysom Hill. So if training camp started today, you know, Hill is probably on the top list, I would guess. Uh, and you've got Book and Bortles splitting reps. So they, they, they've got to do something. They've got to either re-sign Jameis or find someone else. Um, they, they've, they've really got to reload here at the top at the top of the roster, especially at that position. So I, I'm with you. I don't think that they could have gone on a run with Simeon at QB. We saw enough during his starts to, to know that, um, even even though the Saints defense was playing so hot. And what I really hated the most about that injury to Taysomville is that I think he was having his best game as a passer in quite some time against Atlanta. I mean, he, he was throwing with authority. He, he was surveying the field. He was making the right reads that showed some very nice ball placement. Um, I, I really hope that he does not regress 
in what's probably going to be a long recovery uh, from all these different uh, procedures he's about to un- undergo. Uh, because I, I, you, you could see it. You could see what the vision was for him and, and why Sean Payton likes him so much on, on during that first half against Atlanta. Yeah, I, I think with a healthy Taysom Hill, I was buying in uh, to the hype of the Saints being a dark horse if they could sneak their way in there. But, you know, again, you can't trust Matt Stafford for, for anything, right, John? You just can't You can't put your hopes <laughs> on the line with Sta- Matt Stafford. He's going to screw it up. Yeah, I still think that the Saints defense probably could have had their way with him. Uh, but I really don't like the idea of Cesar Ruiz being the only thing between Aaron Donald and Trevor Simeon for yeah, four scary. hours on Sunday. <laughs> that is so, scary. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the positives here. We finished here with a winning record, beat the Falcons in their own building in front of the, the 28 or so Falcons fans that made that decided to show up. Um, I'm sure they were all in, in, in Indy for, for the national title game. I'm, I'm sure that's where they were. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so I think there are a lot of positives we can take away from how the season ended. Um, and I, you know, just looking at the landscape across the league right now, I do think the Saints are in a great spot to come back and surprise the people. They've got kind of a favorable schedule with a second place finish in the NFC South. Uh, they've got some really interesting home games with uh, Lamar Jackson's Ravens, Joe Burrow's Bengals. So there's going, it should be another fun year. And we, we've got a very busy uh, couple months le- leading up to free agency in March. And I'm, I'm just really eager to get started. No doubt. This team always keeps us busy, especially you, John, and the, the folks at Saints Wire. And uh, you mentioned that the Saints had to cut $101 million off their cap going in. And that was that was a huge deal going into the season. A lot of guys got cut. There was a lot of movement. Well, the, the situation going into 2022 isn't as dire but it's still not good, right? You could say it's the worst situation in the league. The Saints are still way over the cap. John, you did some reporting on that, I think, uh, a month or so ago. I was refreshing myself on that. Let's get into the cap and some early thoughts on the 2022 offseason here right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.usatoday.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this weekend's NFC wildcard round matchup between the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Our friends at Tipico Sportsbook have the Rams favored three and a half points and the total sitting at 49 and a half. I'm taking the Rams. I'm laying the three and a half because McVay has owned Kingsbury since Kingsbury joined the NFL. Uh, the Rams are five and one straight out, four and one and one against the spread versus the Cardinals since 2019. And Murray, Kyler Murray, has struggled against the Los Angeles Rams with just an 81.8 quarterback rating, seven touchdowns to nine turnovers. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I'm also on the Rams to cover. They're going to be healthier in this game and also have the advantage in the trenches. Cardinals have lost four of their last five. Take the Rams minus three and a half. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, I was catching myself up on the uh, Saints salary cap situation, projected to be over $60 million, um, over the cap, I guess you could say. Uh, $74 million of their 184 last year 
were unavailable to the team, right? We were going through all the guys that they didn't have. They spent 74 of their 184 million last season on guys that were ended up being unavailable to them during the. That's crazy. Forty percent of their roster that they they spent money on weren't available to them in 2021. It's kind of that narrative of of why things went south for the Saints. It it, it does it, it starts to crystallize when you look at some of these numbers. But you know, what do you think about this team heading into the offseason in the same kind of tough cap situation? Right. A lot of big names, guys like Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Cam Jordan, Malcolm Jenkins, Michael Thomas. I mean, all these guys have contracts that the Saints could approach in different ways, restructures, uh, extensions, stuff like that. Who tops your list? So like, what, what guys top your list for in, in terms of the cap and what the Saints might do to start wiggling their way under and get compliant heading into the offseason here? Yeah, so the number one domino is the guy with the biggest cap hit. That's Marshawn Lattimore. So he's got a 27, let me, let me read this out here, $27,953,388 cap hit this year. Now, that, that is a lot. That is a lot. Uh, that, that leaves the team. That, that is uh, quite significant. That, that's so, good quarterback money. Much somehow they come, a, up to, how they come up with that money, you know, that number, all the way to the decimal play. It's, like, it's funny how that works out. <laughs> Ty Harley, man, that's, that's yeah. the Saints uh, salary cap navigator. That, There's a reason guru, for it. Whatever we're calling. Uh, but I love how he re- how he structured this contract with Marshawn Lattimore. So you go you go under the hood on it. You look and see he's got fifteen million five hundred thousand of that uh, is is a roster bonus uh, due early in the new league year. Uh, and you can already see the plan here. The Saints are going to convert that roster bonus and a large chunk of Lattimore's base salary, which is over nine point one million. Uh, they're going to restructure almost all of that, uh, put it together, and turn it into a signing bonus, and then spread that out over the remainder, uh, the remaining years on his deal, which runs uh, through the 2026 season. And so they're automatically going to take a huge chunk uh, out of this uh, salary cap deficit, and with, without cutting anybody. And that's money that Lattimore was already going to get. It's not a pay cut. It's, he's just getting it now, rather than over the next few years or or in a few months or whatever. He's going to get that immediately once the Saints pull that trigger. And so they can do the exact same thing with uh, Ryan Ramchek. He's got an $8.7 million roster bonus and a $10.5 million base salary. Same deal. Restructure that, turn it into a signing bonus, uh, file it away, and and bang, you're already halfway there. That's almost $30 million you can free up between two two of your top four highest-paid players. And then you look at guys like Michael Thomas, Cameron Jordan. What what do we do here? Do do we need to consider – letting these guys go? I don't think so. Uh, Cam Jordan, you know, gosh, he, he, I don't think anyone had a better uh, December and January than Cam Jordan did. Um, he had, what, what was it, like eight and a half sacks in his last four games? Um, he, he was just phenomenal, and he really cemented his, his place as um, one of the top players on this same defense, along with Lattimore, and that's why you invest in these guys. That's why you keep them around. You find ways to make the numbers work to – uh, keep them on top of your depth chart. So, Jordan, uh, if, if, they, if the Saints do a restructure, uh, they could save as much as, let me consult my spreadsheet here, $8.5 million. So that, that, that's okay. But what you could do is if you sign them to a contract extension, you could save 10.3. And that's important because then what you can do is you can look at, okay, you're, you're still under contract for a few more years after this, but the money's complicated. Let's even all of this out. Let, let's, let's clean up our books in the future. Save some money today. Make it easier for the, this uh, this last act of your career to play out, and th- then we can move forward and address some other concerns. So I think Jordan is safe. I think I think they're going to make they're going to make 
decision on him pretty quickly to, uh, to get that to knock off another domino. And then you look at Michael Thomas, and he's the he's the other you know the only other player out of these four uh, that has a cap hit over twenty million dollars. He, he's second best at twenty four point seven. So obviously, you know, fans are saying, well, he needs to give a lot of that up because he hasn't played in two years, and that, that's not going to happen. You know, he, he's not going to take a pay cut. Um, I, I don't know that the Saints would restructure him. Um, but that may be their only real recourse here. You know, uh, cutting him is not an option. If you, if you cut Michael Thomas before uh, June 1st, you only save $2 million. If you designate him as, as a post-June 1st cut, yeah, you save 15.8, but you don't get that until after June 1st. And what good does that do you when you're $60 million over the cap right now? So there, there's a lot of complicated mechanics here. As you said, we've, we've broken it down at Saints Wire. There's some really difficult decisions, and I'm just really curious to see how it all plays out. Marcus Davenport, John, you think a contract extension is coming for Marcus? I hope so. That's actually a project I'm working on later this week is like five or six Saints players who the team should uh, sign to a contract extension now. They, 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 their, their contract is not due up yet. They're, they're still on, under uh, contract for 2022, but it would be in the, in the team's best interest to go ahead and sign these guys to a long-term deal. And Davenport is one who's high on my radar. So he had his best season as a pro this year. Now, injuries were still an issue. That's always been a problem for him. But I think that plays in, into this, um, into the uh, the contract calculations here. So uh, w- the, the deal I'm looking at that I'm kind of basing my, my projection for, for Davenport off of, I would love to see the Saints sign him to a deal similar to what the Philadelphia Eagles signed uh, jo- pass rusher Josh Flett to not too long ago. Um it was a three-year deal, $40 million, uh, like $26, 27000000 million guarantees of the first two years of the contract. What that would do is it would lower Davenport's cap hit this year, which is at $9.5 million. He's on his fifth-year option. You bring that number down. You keep him under contract if you, for the, the next three or four years. And what that does is you know, he, he's probably going to, to outperform that deal. You know, The Saints did not do this with Trey Hendrickson. They let him play out his contract year. He led the team in sacks. Now he's leading the Bengals in sacks. Um, he, he's been phenomenal, and you don't want that to happen again. And I look at Davenport, and I look at Henderson. These are two guys who really couldn't stay healthy for most of their career up until they had that career year. And I think that getting Davenport signed long-term to a deal that will prob- they'll probably outperform, um, I think that's the way to go. Because if you put if you you know push this too far into the future and you wait too long, then what happens when he plays 17 games next year? You know gets gosh 15 or 16 sacks and then and then and then he's asking for you know dj watt money and then after that so that, that that's it, it's another kind of complicated situation you've really got to weigh uh what what the uh the risk involved there what you're comfortable with um but i look at it from the team's perspective and i really think uh you know the the time uh, was What's the saying? The iron is hot. It's time to strike now. I really think this is the best time to try and get Davenport into a long-term deal. Another couple of names, you know, not players, coaches. You know, this time of year, there's always teams looking for GMs and coaches, John. And and there's a couple of names on the Saints that are hot names right now. Jeff Ireland, I'm seeing his name thrown around a lot for GM jobs. Dennis Allen. Like, shouldn't, shouldn't Dennis Allen be a head coach candidate that we hear more about, right? Like, I know he's going to be on people's lists, but... He's not a guy that I hear people talk about enough, I don't think. Dennis Allen. I think he'd be a huge loss for the Saints, but wouldn't he be another team's gain? Like, sometimes I'm surprised we don't hear about Dennis Allen being linked to head coaching jobs more at this time of the year. Yeah, it's really odd. On paper, he, he looks like exactly the kind of guy who would be getting attention right now, where 
He has that coach experience. He's been highly successful running the same defense these past few years. He, he shut out Tom Brady in the game he had to coach without Sean Payton. Um, he, he, he was just, uh, he was, he's been on top of it. He's been very impressive and I'm really surprised that he's not gotten more attention. So either there's just a lot of, um, stink on him still from when he was the Raiders coach and that, that went poorly, um, back in the early uh, 2010s or, uh, you know, I, I know that teams are averse to hiring defensive minded head coaches in, in ge- just in general. That's not the way that's, that's not what's hot right now. And the guys, the defensive coaches who are getting these jobs are often, you know, on the older side. It's guys, it's guys like um, Big Ben, Big Fangio, um, who, who else? Uh, John Fox for a couple of years there, Ron Rivera. It's guys who, who have been coaching, you know, at this level for 20 or 30 or 40 years even. And they're, they're, they're finally getting a crack at it. And so I wonder if that's going to be the case where he's just going to kind of, you know, have to stand there and wait his turn for for another decade before another team decides to give him a shot. So, uh, you, you hate to see that for him professionally because you would you you would want to see him do well. But at the same time, you know, the Saints sure have been successful with him. So having him in the building for, for for the long haul would would be beneficial. Yeah, Tom Brady's interviewing Dennis Allen for the uh, Bears head coaching job right now as we speak. You know, he, he Tom's like, go ahead, Dennis, get get the hell out of here can't handle you anymore yeah, right <laughs> no 100 send, send, send him to the afc Let's please get, get, yeah, yeah. Him to Miami. Yeah. get him out of here yeah. yeah goodbye dennis allen says tom brady uh all right so let's end to here john who tops like when you're looking at this list of 2022 saints free agents you know who top like who's your top three or four that you just you're really hoping stick around uh or who's your most important guys i mean a guy that we haven't talked too much about yet this week marcus williams on the franchise tag so he's He's got to be a, pro, a priority, I, th- I think. You got great players like Marcus Williams, Teron Armstead, the left tackle, and you got really guys that have been around now for a couple of years, like Quan Alexander, who just he he's kind of a staple of your defense now. Quan Alexander, it would suck to see him move on. And, you know, other guys that are kind of wild cards, like Traquan Smith, the wide receiver, and you know, Jameis Winston coming off the injury. We don't really know what the Saints' plan at quarterback is right now. Is it Taysom? Is it Jameis? Is it outside hire? Is it, is it develop Ian Book? Like I have, who knows? That's going to be a story that's playing out. Like what twenty twenty two Saints free agents um, are topping your list right now, and guys that you're kind of be watching uh, over the, the next uh, few months here. It really starts with Marcus Williams for me. Um, he 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 is just he's an every down defender. He was so important this year. I keep going back to the Titans game where he saved three or four touchdown plays by himself with his range, his ability to tackle in space. Um, he, he was just fantastic. And, you know, I know he has a bad reputation with fans for, for, for you know, the Minneapolis, the Minnesota miracle or whatever, uh, but that was a long time ago. That, that, that does not define him. Uh, that's just like what Nick Saban said after they lost uh, the, the title game uh, Monday night was that this game does not define Bryce Young. This does not define uh, my, the, the players on this team. You know, their, their larger body of work speaks for themselves. And so, when you look at Marcus Williams, he's someone who almost never misses a snap. He's someone who has just an he has an outstanding tackle rate uh, these days. He's really improved on that as his career has continued. He's he's come a long way, and he, he's one of the few you know true ball hawks in this league. He he, he ranks very high since 2017 among uh, interceptions leaders, pass pass deflections. Uh, he, he's he's a playmaker in the secondary, and he's been a huge reason for the Saints to be so successful. And outside of him, you look at Malcolm Jenkins. He's getting older. P.J. Williams, his backup, might leave in free agency this year. So you want to keep Marcus Williams back there, team him up with Marshawn Lattimore, 
and just, just really you hang your hat on, on the strength of your secondary. So to, to me, that's got to be the most important thing. And I think the Saints showed that by issuing the franchise tag to them last year. So I, I don't know that they will do that again. I, I, I like to think that they would because it's not that significant of a difference. It's only like, um, I believe it's 120% of the previous uh, year's value. So for him, that would be like a $12 million contract. No, you, you can totally do that, especially for someone who, you know, if, if they reach a long-term deal, which I think they should, they made a, they made a, they made an offer last year. Uh, I believe it was New Orleans up with Nick Underhill reported that Saints offered him over 14 million a year last year. And he, he didn't sign it at the time. I think they, they maybe with, with the benefit of more time, I think they may be able to reach a compromise on that um, and avoid him playing another year on the franchise tag. So to, to me, that's, that's the most important thing. Now, there is a very big push from Saints fans to resign Teron Armstead, and I totally get that. He, he is one of the three best left tackles in football whenever he's healthy. He's up there with, uh, you know, Tyron Smith in Dallas and Trent Williams in San, in San Francisco. They're the, they're the three best left tackles in the game today. And unfortunately, Armstead also has, you know, very serious injury issues. He, he played his fewest snaps since the 2016 season this year. Um, he, he was just constantly in and out of the lineup. He had the groin issue early in the season. Then he had a knee problem later on. And that, that's been the story for him throughout his career. He, he, he's a rare athlete. He's put in a ton of work to pair that athleticism with just, 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 uh, man, just technically sound um, blocking movements. And I, I've got all the respect in the world for the guy. But if I'm looking at it as the, as the Saints, I've got to think that, well, we can't pay, you know, more than $20, $20 million a year, which is what, you know, the top three left tackles are getting these days. We can't pay that for someone who's only going to play seven or eight games. Or if we're lucky, he might he might play 14 games. And with the, season, with the regular season getting longer and there being more playoff games, I just don't know that this is the right time to invest big money in a left tackle with his injury history. So I would love to see Teron finish his career in New Orleans. He's been such an important part of the locker room. Uh, big, he's a big player in the community. So I would love to see it happen. I'm just not optimistic that the two sides will be able to reach an agreement there. Always interesting insight from you, John. And uh, kind of a nice, positive wrap-up show for us this year. I don't think it was as positive yeah. last year. Last year after that NFC title game wasn't as positive. Not quite. No, or, no. Or, or, no not the <laughs> NFC. Not the NFC title game. It was the uh, the oh, divisional yeah, the game. Divisional round. game. Right, right, right. That's but right. That's right. We weren't as we weren't as happy. Not as positive. Not as not as excited to look ahead. I think as we are this year. Yeah. Well, no, because we saw you know we saw the Saints. To me, they they have already weathered the storm. They they've been in the the quote unquote cap hell. They've they, they've yep. dealt with that. You know, like, like I said, forty percent of their. Uh, salary cap commitments were going to guys who were either broadcasting for NBC or playing on other rosters around the league. Um, so they don't have to deal with that now. The, the, they, they don't have this big chunk of dead money that they've got to they've got to work around. Uh, they, they've got a little bit with with, with Drew, but not much. Um, not near, not no nothing comparable to last year. And so the, the path forward to me is very clear. You know, you either you you answer your quarterback question. If that means bringing back Jameis and then giving him an excellent supporting cast, that's the move. If you go for a big fish like a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or, you know, a, a little fish like Jimmy Garoppolo, who did have a good game. we got we got to give him some props for that. Um, I, whatever you do, you bring in a new quarterback and, and then you just work to address the depth across the board. I, I get that too. So, 
um, whatever the case, the Saints have options, and I, I'm just really eager to see how it all plays out because, to me, they're not boxed in the corner like they were last year where they didn't have any money to spend, and they were still working through a lot of COVID issues with the college scouting and all this, and I'm just I'm just really excited for this offseason to pick up steam and see see what the you know what this new era of Saints football looks like. No doubt, and John, I appreciate you saying something nice about uh, my my oldest son, Jimmy Garoppolo. I appreciate that. That's my guy. <laughs> That's my guy right there. So I appreciate that. That was nice of you. Um, yeah, we're officially yeah. we're officially on the off season. And uh, but John, it, thanks for showing up every single week during the regular season. Um, it was a wild year. We were covering something insane, insanely different every single, you know, every week to week. It was so much different than the week prior and always. Th- there was always something, but, uh, thanks for showing up every week and, and bringing it every time. Yeah, man. Th- th- thanks for hosting the show and uh, facilitating all this. It's been a lot of fun and I uh, hope we can take it to the next level in 2022. Yeah. We appreciate all the listeners. We'll be back this off season to talk to you as news breaks and we will catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.